Thank you, O God of grace, for bringing us into your story of love through Jesus Christ. Amen. Stories are powerful. Our family is deep into the Star Wars universe, and after watching each new episode of Andor, I can tell you that the throttles of our imaginations are wide open. And what else is tomorrow all about? Well, yes, free candy. But the costumes allow us to enter into a story different than the one we normally inhabit. Even if it's just for one hour, we can be a world-famous athlete a superhero, an astronaut, or a dinosaur, and live by a different story. Last weekend, we went to the Carolina Renaissance Festival, which is always fun. If you've never been, it's a 25-acre medieval village filled with actors and attendees dressed as knights, princesses, goblins, and monks. As the website describes it, a day at the festival is about leaving your cares behind and escaping to a simpler time and place. In other words, it's about entering into a story. The problem with our culture today is, as one theologian has put it, we believe that we have no story, except for the story that we chose for ourselves when we had no other story. In other words, we have been conditioned to believe that we are born as a blank slate, that all the world is our stage, that our story is whatever we make of it. Now this, of course, is a pernicious lie, but it is one most of us live by. We are all born in the middle of history, into a family, within a context, with genetic and personality traits, all of which are beyond our control. And these things story us. Now I find it liberating to know that I am not the way that I am simply because I've chosen to be this way. Our subconscious mind assimilates our experiences and it changes our thought processes without us even thinking about it. Our culture presents us with choices that limit us. We all develop neuroses and quirks, not because we particularly want to be punctual to a fault or obsessed with things always being in their proper place. Those are my neuroses. <laughs> but because the story that we inhabit has shaped us into taking on these roles. This is the power of a story. And the fact that we are a storied people matters because ultimately we all are a part of God's story. It is both a grand and cosmic story that is bigger and older than any of us can fathom. And it is also a story that is intimate as it is about the belovedness in which God holds all of us. And today, we have the joy of baptizing Margaret Ellis into this story. Now, as a function of existing, all people are a part of this story. Baptism, though, is when we are plunged into this story and strive to be shaped by this story of love, mercy, and grace, as opposed to trying to tell our own story. It is not that God is waiting for me to pour some water on Margaret's head so that God can finally start loving her or accepting her as a child of God. That would be ridiculous if that's what we thought baptism was. Instead, we baptize people into the faith 
so that there is an actual moment in space and in time when it is declared for the whole world to see and know that Margaret is God's beloved daughter, that the story of salvation in Jesus Christ includes her, that she is a chosen vessel of the Holy Spirit, so that when she gets older and the world does to her what the world does to all of us, we, her family, and her church can remind her that she is baptized, and that is the truest thing about her. When she gets older and makes social blunders with friends, or doesn't do well on a test, or fights with her brother or parents, she can be reassured that she is loved not because of the things that she does, meaning that she will not be unloved for the things that she does. Rather, she is loved because this is the story that she is a part of. And that is true not just for Margaret, but for all of us. The problem is when we forget the story and we try to make our own. The prophet Habakkuk laments, destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. Those words were written some 2,600 years ago, and yet they still describe the world today. The problem is not so much that God has abandoned the people, even if it sometimes can feel that way, it's that we have forgotten the story. Instead of living by the dream of God, we create nightmares for ourselves to live in. As we heard in Psalm 119, the enemies of the psalmist are not enemies because they are evil or bad people, but because they have forgotten the words of God. Amnesia, when it comes to the story that we live by, is a problem we struggle with in our modern society. The inability to see ourselves as a people storied by God's radical, graceful, and transforming love is what leads to so many of the personal and political problems that we experience. Now, despite our blindness and our ignorance to the story, it remains. Through people like Habakkuk, God continues to make the story known. And so he writes, I will stand at my watch post I will keep watch to see what he will say. To which God responds and tells Habakkuk to write the vision, make it plain so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. If it seems to tarry, wait for it, for it will surely come. The story remains even when we forget it. Now we all know that life is busy and full, and that's what makes watching for this story of God so difficult. I mean, who can believe? Essentially, it's already November. The pace of life is dizzying. And because there are so many narratives out there, we can get lost. There's the news, finance, fitness, hobbies, romance, parenting, entertainment, career, friendships. And none of these are bad, but they can all become noisy distractions from the song of grace. The story of God's beauty, peace, and love is without question the truest and most beautiful story there is. But it's not often the loudest. Advertisers have a much bigger budget than the church does. Politicians spend more on getting you to buy into their story than we can. 
Hollywood can tell a story in a way the church simply cannot. Now, part of this is because the movie only lasts for two hours. An election couple of months. Advertisers, they're just going after one decision, one purchase. But the story of God is about the entirety of our lives. It's a much bigger investment. And this is why baptism is best described as immersion. Now, it's not about how much water we use. Three tiny drops is just as good as the entire ocean. Baptism, though, is about being completely and totally immersed into the story of God. This is why baptism is spoken of in terms of death and new birth. In baptism, we die, so we could go ahead and get that out of the way, and then enter into the eternal life of the resurrection, which begins now, crosses the threshold of the grave, and continues forever in the love of God. And this story of God's love is grand enough to encompass all of our lives. There is no situation in which the love of God cannot bring new possibilities. There is no sin or mistake so egregious that God's mercy cannot lead to reconciliation. There is no doubt so sincere that we cannot be surprised by joy. There is no death so final that the resurrection cannot make all things new. This story of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life is the meta-story of all things. Economics, politics, voting, relationships, and vocation, they all connect into God's story. It's when those things don't connect that we end up with injustice and violence. Because there is only one story that is big enough and gracious enough to hold everything and still have room to spare. And that is the story of God's love. Any other story, democracy, capitalism, socialism, monarchy, technology, paganism, these are mere fables when compared to the story of God's creating, redeeming, and sustaining of all that is. Now those other stories out there, they will make us promises, but they cannot assure us that in the end, all shall be well. And in that anxiety over whether or not things will be well, we become captive to stories that simply cannot bear the weight of meaning and purpose. Baptism, though, is the sacramental sign of this deeper reality that we are a people storied by the love of God. And there are some helpful things that we all can do to continue immersing ourselves into this story. From the earliest days of the faith, baptism and Eucharist have always gone together. Baptism is when we enter into the story, and the Eucharist is how we are given sustenance for the journey. In the Eucharist, this story of God's love is made present. We join with one another in beloved community. We receive the body and blood of Christ as assurances of our forgiveness and our belovedness, no matter what. Reading scripture is also an important way to be immersed into the story. It's not homework, not something to get through, but an opportunity to find our place in the ever-expanding story of God. Talking to other people about faith, whether it's in a small group or with a friend or a priest over coffee helps because it reminds us that each of us only has a little bit of the story. Conversation with others allows us to see how the Spirit is moving in their lives 
and to be more reflective on our own. And daily prayer is also very beneficial to being immersed in the story. Think about those things that we all do every day. Brushing our teeth because we want to avoid the story of a cavity. Checking social media or reading or watching the news because we don't want to miss a story. Now to be clear, I have nothing against brushing teeth or reading the paper. But if we can make time to do those things each day, might we also say the Lord's Prayer each day as a way of reminding ourselves that we are the beloved of God our Father? That we are anticipating the kingdom as it is coming on earth as it is in heaven? That we receive our daily bread from a gracious God? That we are forgiven and there is no barrier between us and God? Again, it's not about giving you one more thing to do. It's about reminding us of the story that we live in. Being storied in Christ really does make all the difference. Just ask Zacchaeus about that. His life was never the same once he came and saw that he was a part of God's story of mercy. Zacchaeus did not earn his salvation when he repented and repaired things. Rather, he recognized that salvation was already his story. And he received this grace into his life. He then lived by this story, and that is why 2,000 years later, we remember Zacchaeus' name, and not the names of all those who grumbled about it. When we are lost in the many stories of this world, Jesus comes to each of us and to all of us to save us by reminding us that we belong to this story of love. And it is into this story that we now have the joy of baptizing Margaret.